Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. If you've got your Bible, why don't you turn with me to the book of Joshua. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you about the Friday night service. It's going to be a communion service. Communion in your home. Not gathered here in our building, which is how we would prefer to have communion as all of us together. Not going to be able to do that this week. However, we will be having communion. If you want to join us, gather your elements there in your house or wherever you might be on a Friday night. You can join with us together and we'll, we'll do that all together. And uh, that'll be Friday night. That service is at 7 o'clock. Joshua, got a word for you here from the book of Joshua. It won't take me a long time to encourage you, but it's a powerful word. Joshua chapter 3, familiar passage. We're going to look at the crossing of the Jordan here. Last time I preached, which was on, was that Sunday night? Did I preach Sunday night? Sunday night. I preached about the end of Moses' tenure as the leader of Israel and some of the things that he said. You can go back and watch that on YouTube, catch up with that. Now we're going to pick up in the next section, which is now it's Joshua's turn to lead. And the first thing he's got to do is cross the Jordan River. Let's pray, and then we're going to go through a few things here. Father, I thank you, God, for this time to bring a word that would bring encouragement and hope and would bring miracle-working power into people's lives. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, come. Speak through me as I attempt to communicate what it is you've dropped in my heart to share. Give us ears to hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're standing for the reading, you may be seated. So glad that you're with us. Have you ever had a... uh, a circumstance that happened at the wrong time and it messed everything up or it was just like ultra frustrating or left you saying, are you kidding me? Really? Right now? At the very first prophetic conference I went to in Maui, my, my wife and I, it was powerful. We'd never been to a prophetic conference. I think it was back in the 1900s maybe. I'm not too sure. Anyway, uh, the prophet stood before us We were kind of nervous. We didn't exactly know what was going to happen. And one of the things that he said to us is that our children would be arriving when we least expected it to go ahead and make our plans, but God wasn't going to go by them. And so we didn't really know how to interpret that until we started having kids. So let me just give you a little rundown here. I know my kids are online now and they're like really nervous. What's dad... Who's dad going to tell a story about tonight? Well, it's all of you. Emmeline was our first. She was born in the confluence of Easter egg hunts on Maui. My wife was pregnant, and we were like, are you kidding me? It's right in the middle of Easter. We're doing all these outreaches, and now we're going to have a baby right in the middle of them. And, you know, Emmeline wasn't turned right, so, uh, you know, we did a C-section delivery, which had a little extra time of recovery and care associated with it. Then then came along Easton. Easton was born in the midst of our very, very busy summer program. Thank you, Easton. 
And Easton was a C-section and took extra care and concern with that one. Then came Elian. Elian was born, number three. At the same time, we were doing a children's production on Maui, and it was the one-night show of the children's production, and it happened to be Mother's Day. I was at lunch, took my beautiful, lovely wife, who's on right now, took her out to a lunch, and as we sat down to order, she started going into labor. Thank you so much, Elian. And then Akella was born. Kella was born in April, and it just happened to be Easter time once again. And we were so thankful that we had had yet another baby in the confluence of Easter and all that went into that. And of, and of course, Kella was a C-section, and it took extra care and healing time and, and concern. And then our last one, the cherry on top, Eliana was born in between a mission, uh, kids' camp Missions trip, we had a little bit of a breather before the Maui Prophetic Conference in 2013, and lo and behold, right in the midst of all that planning and recruiting and putting people and teams together, Eliana decided she was going to show up, and it was a C-section, so it took extra care and, you know, concern and a few days of recovery. Oh, they were all born, not at, you know, the greatest time frame. Today, we're going to look at a similar, you know, a story in the, in the life of Israel as they have, let's back up and see where we are. So, of course, they've left Egypt. Moses has been leading them. They went wandering around because they didn't have enough faith, wandering around for 40 years. Now it's time to go back to where they didn't have faith to go the first time. And um, Moses has died. Now Joshua, Moses is out. Joshua's in. And the very first thing he's got to do is cross a river. Let's, take, let's pick up the story here. We're going to look at, you know, let's look at uh, verse 7. Joshua 3, 7. And it says, Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Everybody say, in the river. Thank you. I got one or two in the rivers here. Crickets, crickets. I know you said in the river at home, so I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. We, we read that. Okay, verse 9. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you all the ites. All these people with ites at the end of their names. Verse 11, see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord 
the Lord of all the earth set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet, as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood, on fir- stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. What a miraculous story. The Jordan River across from Jericho. I did a little bit of reading just to kind of help you understand what's happening here in this story because it is absolutely miraculous. It's astounding. So the Jordan River in the north is, would be easier to cross, but that's not where the Lord had them to cross. Down in the south, where they're crossing, it is much more difficult and the water moves faster and it's deeper. But it's not just the normal Jordan River. It's the Jordan River at flood stage, which is the most astounding part of the whole miracle. Do I need new batteries? Okay. She's walking up here with batteries. I thought they were for me. All right, fantastic. The Jordan River at flood stage is the miracle that's at hand here. So let's talk about what that means. It means large volumes of water flowing at an even more rapid pace, crazy water coming, and it's up over its banks, and it's flowing, maybe you want to say wildly, looking uncontrollably. It's not some little placid pond or little, you know, three-inch deep stream, and they're going to walk across it, and, you know, uh, you know, something that science could explain, you know, like a wind came and blew it to the side, and when they walked, not only is it, uh, you know, it's deep, and it's raging, and it's really wide to cross, but you're talking about millions of people and their animals. This is not just, uh, you know, what you see what I've seen on like flannel graphs when I was a kid in Sunday school class. Anybody remember a flannel gra- graph? Anybody even know what it is? Thank you for raising your hand. I appreciate that. Easton, you know what a flannel graph is? Wow. Yeah, flannel graphs. We had little stories. And when it came to stories like this, you know, it, it just didn't give you the right picture. The river backed up for miles. How do you get 2 million people across a riverbed? It's not a single file line. Can you imagine? It's a a giant herd of people coming across, animals and carts. They're carrying the ark and they're, they're carrying the tabernacle and all of its beams and poles and everything. 
and their little ones. It's an awesome miracle, demonstrating the awesome power of God. Not only did the water move wide enough that they, all these people could get through there, but they walked on dry ground. Nowhere in this story do you see Joshua telling the people of Israel, once the water has stopped moving, we're going to wait until the ground's dry. It's not just the normal riverbed. Remember, it's the, the, the ultra-wide banks have been uh, overflowed with deep, raging water, so it's wet everywhere. And God does a miracle, not only backing up the water, but dries the ground so that they don't have to trample through deep mud with their little ones. It's an astounding miracle at what would be, according to me and you, the very worst time possible. If you and I were in charge of the children of Israel and we were going to decide when we should cross the Jordan, we would not pick the time they went. We would wait, calculate when the water would be at its most narrow and easiest to cross, or maybe even go up farther north up the river where it's like nice and calm and we could just kind of wade our way across there and just, we might get a little wet. But that's not how God works. God doesn't necessarily go by the same way of thinking that you and I do. His ways are beyond us. He's created things so wonderful, we have a hard time explaining them. We can't reproduce them. We try to paint, even a picture doesn't look like the real thing. Sunsets and mountains and oceans and the beautiful things, the astounding universe of stars and planets takes your breath away to look at God's creation. Not just the grandiose things, but even the tiny things. The tiny things that you can't see except in a microscope. And God made them. They're so wonderful. It's amazing. That God doesn't think the same way you and I do. He thinks a higher way. He thinks a greater way. And according to him, the flood stage was the right time to go across. The flood stage. I want you to get that in your heart because it's the flood stage. Can you imagine the skeptic standing on the sideline with the news cameras and uh, you know uh, taking photos of Joshua giving instructions? What would they be saying? You've got to be kidding me. What does he think he's doing? This doesn't make any sense. Who in their right mind would do something like this? He was following God's instructions. God's instructions were the priest to take the ark to the middle of the river. I really think that's significant. It wasn't standing on the outside of the river. It wasn't go pick up Moses' staff and now strike it just like Moses did. This is different. Now they have the ark. When they crossed the water the first time, which would be the Red Sea, they didn't have the ark with them. What's the ark? Let me back up into Moses' territory and just give you a brief you know, like a summary of what's going on with this ark thing. See, God is a holy God, and he wants to dwell with you and me. There's no way a sinful person can dwell with a holy God. 
But God wants to dwell with people. In the Old Testament, he created a way that he could do that. It was the sacrificial system, the tabernacle, the altar, the basin, and there was a tent inside there. And inside the tent was the holy place. And inside the holy place was another even holier place called the Holy of Holies. And in there sat a box made out of gold that that was carried by the priests. And it was called the Ark. And that was where God dwelled. So for them to take the Ark and carry it into the raging crazy river, they were bringing the presence of God into the most worstest, uh, you know, time frame and scary river that they that they could imagine they were bringing god's presence so god was telling joshua take my presence into that crazy river and watch what i do so that's what they did everyone else followed that god did miracles we read them the, the river stopped. The water stood up. I would have loved to have seen that. That would be something. Dry ground. God demonstrated his power over nature. God demonstrated his ability to do miracles in the worst season that you and I could define. God is speaking to us. Just a few things I want to encourage you those of you that are watching online, and then we're going to take time and pray because God is speaking to us. First one is that you know, your destiny is going to have rivers to cross, challenges to cross to get to where God wants you to go. God's destiny for the children of Israel was the promised land. To get there, they had to cross the Jordan to get there. Steps of faith are required to receive all that God has for you. It, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It can't be done. It requires steps of faith. Steps of faith are scary sometimes. They don't always make sense. To someone who's not a believer, steps of faith look insane. But they don't look like that to God. Steps of faith don't look like that to God. They're pleasing to God. Pleasing. I sure hope you don't let uh, people around you that don't have any room for God in their life help, help you to decide whether or not you should take steps of faith because they're not going to encourage you to take steps of faith. Make sure you're around people that will tell you to go for it, that God will hold you up. That God's word is true and he will do what he said and he will finish what he started. And you can trust him. You can believe him. You don't have to go by what you, what you see. He really does have it all figured out. Your steps of faith are pleasing to him. You're going to have to make some to, to get to where he's wanting you to go. You're going to have some, of your, some steps of faith happen when you don't really want them to happen. Steps of faith don't really happen on your time, your time frames, on your calendar. 
you're not really going to, you know, you don't always have the privilege to look ahead on your calendar and circle a date that you're going to do something great for God. Sometimes he speaks to you and says, you need to do this right now. And it's a step of faith and it's a scary one. And you got to do that. You got to do that. You're going to please God. Some of them don't make sense. I'm hesitating here because I've got so many stories of, I'm standing there going, really? The next thing, so your destiny has rivers and challenges that must be crossed. You got to go through them to the promised land. Uh, The next thing is God, you got to hear this. God can do miracles in what you think is the worst possible scenario. If you don't hear anything else I say, please hear me. God can and will do miracles in the time that it looks the worst to you. It doesn't look the worst to him. Only to you. Only to maybe a whole nation of people. But not to the living God. This miracle is astounding because of the scenario that it was in. That's why it's astounding. That's why it's a major miracle. Because it was flood stage. It wouldn't be that big of a story if it wasn't at flood stage. Maybe you think you're at flood stage. Maybe you feel like you're overwhelmed with the scenarios that are at hand. That makes the miracles that God does even greater. No season is the wrong season for God to do miracles. God doesn't have an off season. You know, these professional sports teams, they have off seasons. You know, like, uh, like, like those football guys, pro football. What do they got, 16 games? They get paid millions of dollars to play 16 games, 16 weekends. Would you like to work only 16 weekends a year? And then they have what's called the off season. God doesn't have an off season. Every season is a season for miracles with the living God. I want you to notice he didn't end the flood stage. He made a way for his people to go through it. I want you to hear that today. He didn't bring a a giant ceasing to the flood stage and make it a little trickle so they could, you know, just get their ankles wet going across. He did a miracle in the midst of it. And once they had all gotten through it continued going on flood stage. I want to encourage you today. God can do miracles. Get the ark in the middle of the river. Don't put the news station in the middle of the river. Don't put your newspaper articles and all the propaganda networks in the center of your river and hope it's going to help you get across. It's not going to help you get across. There's only one way to get you across. It's put the presence of God in the middle of your river and let him do miracles on your behalf. We would call it bad timing, but not God. The next thing I want you to see in this and I just mentioned it earlier, is that God has power over nature. 
over anything that happens in nature. Winds and seas and rivers, animals. God has power over everything that he created. It's all his creation. There is nothing new under the sun. His power is greater than anything that is on this earth, above the earth, or below the earth. It's all subject to his authority. So you have a destiny, and it's going to require some rivers to go across to get there. God can do miracles in the worst possible season. God has power over everything in nature. And the next thing I wanted to share with you is that God's timing doesn't always look like your timing. You know what? I think one of the the most difficult things that I continually thank God for, now this is really difficult, but I continually thank God and declare that his timing is good. So I kind of have like a rhythm of prayer in the morning times. And one of the things that I like to do is to thank God for as much as I possibly can. I mean, I've got lists of things I thank God for. I don't want ever want to fail to thank God for his goodness to me. And so I get into, one of the rhythms I get into in prayer is declaring that God is good in everything that he is, including his timing. His timing is good. Think about that. His timing is good. You might be waiting You may feel like you're waiting and that God's forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. His timing is good. His timing has come from his goodness. He is good. Everything about him is good. There's not one day he wasn't good. There's never been a time he had a thought about you that wasn't good. You can count on his goodness. You can depend on it. You never have to wonder if the way he's working and his motivations and his plans and his timing, you never have to wonder if it's good. He doesn't second guess himself. His timing is what we're after. And he picked the flood stage in this story. What timing has he picked for you? Whatever it is, His timing is good. And if it looks like a nasty, impossible situation, it very well could be that he has picked it to demonstrate he has authority over everything that you think is impossible. The last thing I wanted to share is that Joshua moved according to the word of the Lord. Pastor Alex, if you could play. Joshua moved according to the word of the Lord. Where are you at right now? Are you, are you standing at a river that looks out of control? Does the timing look terrible? What's the word of the Lord? Not the word of, of a self-help YouTube videos. Not the word of news broadcasters. Not the word of your neighbor who's never worshiped God a day in his life. Not the word of some kind of cult person who keeps dropping stuff off at your door. What does the word of the Lord say? Joshua moved 
at the word of the Lord, put the ark in the middle of the river, and God did an astounding miracle at what looked and seemed to, to the people the absolute worst time frame and scenario. There is nothing impossible for God. Hear me today, if you're facing a hopeless circumstance or you feel like God's forgotten you, there is nothing impossible for God. He hears you, he sees you. I wanna encourage you today, even right now, just lift your hands in the air. We're gonna invite the presence of God into our flood stage river, whatever that might mean for you. Come on, lift your voice. Oh God, come into my circumstance. Come into my situation. It looks scary and frightening. It's left me hopeless. Takes my breath away. Some of the circumstances that are facing people right now. God, I pray you would enter into that circumstance. Your power, your authority. In Jesus' name, your presence. Touch every person. Those that are feeling forgotten. God, that somehow you didn't hear their prayer, somehow you ignored them. God, I pray a fresh wind of your spirit come visit their home. Fresh visitation of your presence. Those that are locked in their home or locked in their room, unable to leave, feeling lonely, spirit of the living God, come. Holy Spirit, come. I take a moment right now to bind up every lie of the devil. Every lie that says you are forgotten, that God doesn't hear your prayer, and that he's cast you aside. And that he's somehow not going to do miracles for you. We serve a miracle working God who gave us promises. We stand on these. I condemn every lie. I command you to be silent. Every lie of sickness, I command you to be silent. Every lie from the pit of hell of worthlessness, hopelessness, insignificance, loneliness, I bind up those lies in the name of Jesus. Father, would you bring your presence into every flooded river and make a way for your people. Make a way. In Jesus' name. Pastor Alex, if you have some kind of a worship song here, if you could lead us in a, in a worship. If you're at home, lift your hands. Let's worship with Pastor Alex. Jesus. And all hail the Lord of heaven and earth, all hail King Jesus, and all hail the Savior.
this song is singing about. If you don't know him, right now is your opportunity to meet the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. His name is Jesus. I'm going to invite you to say a simple prayer with me tonight. If you need to receive Jesus, whether it's the first time or maybe you drifted away from walking with the Lord and you want to come back home, maybe you're just not sure. If your heart's right before the Lord, I'm going to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me tonight. Bringing Jesus into your circumstances, into into your situations. You do that by making him the Lord of your life. You receive what Jesus did for you on the cross by receiving Jesus as your Lord. Why don't you pray with me? going to pray a simple prayer. We don't have to pray complicated, long, fancy word prayers. God hears your heart. The Bible makes it clear that if you believe in your heart, that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you, your sin, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and say with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, you will be saved. Why don't you pray that prayer? We'll make that a prayer tonight. Pray it right out loud. Let's pray it together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to take my place on the cross, to take my sin and my shame, to die for me, and to rise from the dead, taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave. I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for loving me and thank you for hearing my prayer. 
I know there's people that prayed that, some for the first time. You can go to our website and you can get engaged in things here. Let me pray for you. Those of you that rededicated to your life, get in a life group. Get started serving on a team. Let me pray for each one of you. Father, I thank you, God, for what you're doing. I thank you that even right now, there's people that received you as their Lord and Savior, giving you permission to bring your presence into their life. God, I pray you would fill them with your power, fill them with your spirit. May they, even tonight, encounter you in a fresh and living way, the closeness of your presence. In Jesus' name. I want to encourage you to join Pastor Daniel for Eat the Scroll every day on YouTube and Facebook. It's 12.30. We're going to have a communion service on Friday. I hope this word encouraged you. I look forward to seeing you on Friday for communion. God bless you. Let me bless you right now. The Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you. And may he give you peace. Peace in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.